1: I'd like to welcome Ty Zanders to the Phila Crossify Podcast. Ty is the Director of Recruiting and High School Content at Inside Lacrosse. Uh, Just recently moved over from his own gig, which was called Recruiting Rundown, to go back to Inside Lacrosse. And Ty, really fired up to have you on the show. How are
2: you doing? Thanks for having me, Jamie. Yeah, I'm uh, pumped to be here. I'm, I'm, well, just getting ready for another another fall weekend on the circuit. Uh, Hopefully not too cold, not too rainy, but been fired up to watch some more lacrosse.
1: Hey, yeah, we're right in the middle of recruiting season, you know, November. Everybody gets all fired up for November. And uh and then it rains all day in Baltimore again today and uh, you know, likely to have field closures, muddy fields and uh generally a little bit of a mess. What's your take uh, you know, overall on November recruiting, the the pluses and minuses?
2: I'm I'm not a huge fan of it. I mean, I wrote an article about it last year just just uh you know, a big old outcry towards it and against it, rather, and and just uh, I think it's one of those things that every year I kind of get fired up for for the fall and think I'll get a lot out of it, and and don't end up getting a ton out of it because between the the fall you know the the fall sports aspect you know kids barely have a stick in their hands um, you know the, the the muddy fields and all that and the conditions. It's tough to create a, you know, an optimal product. I don't think it's, a, it's even close to the level of product that you get in the summer. So it is one of those things that if you talk to a college coach, they're usually ripping on it. They're not – they don't love it. They, they don't like being there. Um, it, it's just one of those things that we do over and over again and probably always will. Um, when in reality you're not throwing the best product out there, and, and that's what you want. So it's it's tough. I mean, here and there you'll get some good good days, but uh, if it's you know cold and blustery and, and rainy and uh, a mud fest, you're not going to have the best lacrosse in the world out there.
1: Yeah, no doubt. It's tough because – the coaches, like, generally speaking, they love recruiting. You know, they might get tired, you know, after, you know, 60 days of it or whatever, but they love watching players. They're fired up to recruit and, and build their programs. And the problem is with the falls, it's just a little bit of a letdown because, the, like you said, the quality of play is lower. You've got your fall sport athletes that aren't there. Nobody has a stick in their hands. You don't – nobody can show up to practice. Um, the, 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 the rosters are always depleted because of injury and fall sports and all that stuff. So – um, do you think that coaches can even get, um, you know, a, a good read on players? Or do you think they get a lot of false positives or false
2: negatives? I, I, to me, I, it's it's one of those things that I, I think they get, like, a, a small, uh, a, a almost misleading view of a player. You do? I think that, to me, I, I think that, if you rely, if you are relying too much on fall evaluations and you take a kid, uh, I think you're doing yourself a, a disservice. I think that w- with all the variables, uh, all the factors that, that we discussed, I think that it, it's very easy to, um, I don't know. I think have, have reactions, um, strong, strong feelings, any, anyone way. Oh, that kid stunk in the fall. Oh, that kid was awesome. Um, but I mean, if you think about it, I mean, how how much do you think a kid can really develop um, and improve from July? It's been four months, and, and most of them are playing fall sports. I don't think that you can really get um, you know the the same sense of a kid improved um, that that you would want because so many play fall sports, um, even through how much these kids are specializing. Whereas, you, uh, you, yeah.
1: you can see improvement from June first to, to July. 31st oh
2: oh yeah you know or or the spring from from the summer even even that I think that with how young some of these kids are you for sophomores and juniors especially you will find a kid that is playing with a ton of confidence in the summer because he played a lot for his high school team and played well um I don't think that you get the same kind of thing from a kid that played well in the summer that improved drastically in three months time so Mm -hmm. uh it's very different
0: the filicrosity podcast is made possible in part by the jm3 video assessment tool there's no question that video is critical to player development one way or another your son must utilize video to learn his game and the game to learn more see video testimonials or register go to www.jm3video.com
1: so you watch you know I, I made the statement earlier you, you probably watch more high school lacrosse than anybody on the planet right I mean you, you, you don't have a team to coach so you can watch games every day in the spring and then you're at every event in the summer and the fall let's just go through I'm, I'm, I'm really curious about breaking some of the stuff down and trying to get some insights on on the value of the different things we've kind of established that we don't love the fall, but, but when can the fall be good? I mean, if it's on turf, that helps, right. I mean, oh, you yeah. see some huge speed and quickness. Um, are, are there some events that uh, are in teams that actually, you know, it's like, wow, that, that, that's pretty good lacrosse. I can watch this
2: yeah no i mean the the event i've you know usually enjoyed the most and and it's not a coincidence it's usually the stuff that is on turf um but you know billy McKinney's you know big four champions league has always been awesome um you know that that first sunday of of the fall is usually pretty strong uh the nlf teams do but for the most part i mean the the third weekend's always very tough um i know the last saturday of november is is uh Andy Hill Gardner's and Bob, Bob Strivers, you know, National High School Lacrosse Showcase, and, and that's on turf and all high school teams, very good lacrosse. So, it, you know, here and there, you do have a, a pretty strong product out there. Um, and I've been pretty pleased with, with our events since I lacrosse. So, you know, here and there, there is some good stuff. But for the most part, I mean, I, I wouldn't put any fall event in the top 10 of of okay. the year yeah. um, because of how good lacrosse is in the summer.
1: But you really have to do it. I mean, like, let's just say you're 2021 or you're a college coach, if you're a 2020 and you're not committed yet, um, you know, you, you're just going to have to be there to at least get on the board, right? So that somebody, like, sees you and knows who you are. And, and I mean, like – but do you really have to go to these things if you're a 2022? I mean, if you're a freshman – like, like, you know, my daughter is a – 21 last fall we just i was like you know what they're not going to be looking at 21s last fall why 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 bother going to an event that's kind of going to be a letdown but but this year she kind of has to so do you agree with that concept
2: yeah i mean i i, I think that uh to to me you know and, and this is more on the class of 2021 and i said this earlier to 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 my boss terry and and i said to me i think the class of 2021 is the least evaluated class in years yeah. because if you think of, of the way that that the recruiting rules shook out I mean I've barely watched 20 once and you know I was watching them this weekend I thought about it I'm like you know two or three years ago I would have known the the sophomore class in the fall like in the back of my hand because yeah. uh the ACC season Big Ten to the world and IVs were, were taking these kids uh you know pretty sure. early and, and and they were you know, playing in pretty prominent events because they had to as rising ninth graders. So now, you know, the 2021s haven't been evaluated a whole lot, um, and that you know it could be tough on some schools. Like they could, you know, be excited by a, a fall that a kid had or the summer a kid had, um, you know, a, a year from now, and and almost uh, you know talk himself into taking a kid. Whereas with the twenties they've been watching these kids for forever I and mean, we've been watching Brennan O'Neill and everybody for two and a half, three years. Uh, it's so the 21s. I think the, the fall is a very important time. And I do think that despite the way I feel about the fall, that it, it is more important now than it once was because of where we are in, 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 the, uh, with the rules and the calendar.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, so what about, uh, showcases in the fall? Um, did, what, what's your take on, you know, showcases you know so the individual events um are, are are there any in the fall right now that are that are just you know that are that are great or worth going to or is it all team events
2: There are a handful I think that um you know oh, my one, uh, the igloo guys ran a pretty good one that yeah one. yeah I mean the the igloo event was was outstanding I think that uh I mean that's an event that that you know and I forgot about in, our, in the previous answer but probably the event that I enjoy the most for, for many reasons, um, because you have these kids being instructed by college coaches coached by college coaches during the games. And it's, it's a blast, you know, for, for all parties involved, but you know, I, I'm someone, I, I'm not a huge proponent of individual showcases because I think that it's one of those things where you, you know, your dad's the car beforehand. He's like, you know, Tommy shoot, shoot eight, nine times this game, you know, let it fly, man. You got to get recruited. Um, And there's not that, like, team play that that you crave. Um, You get from clubs and and high school play. So, you know, I think it is is one of those things where, uh, you know, I'm always – I always feel like if you can play in a team event that next day and there's an individual event on Saturday, do it. You know, because yeah, you
1: – you like Showcase or something.
2: Yeah, you know, like I think Philly Showcase is great because you can play as an individual and then, you know, coach can see the next day and, and say, okay, this kid's been playing well both – you know, in both situations. Um, you know, I, I think there have been a lot of times where I've seen a kid stand out in an individual event. The next day he disappears because he has, you know, guys alongside him that are better players and, uh, you know, it, it's just – it's a different – you know environment when you play with your team versus uh as the individual with a bunch of kids you never played with before
1: you know honestly part of it too and you remember because it used to come down to 3d blue chip back in the day yeah in which that that was a model that i'm surprised more people haven't you know frankly stolen the model Me too. Of teaching and mandating team play because then it's like because if you remember you'd have you know you'd have a uh, someone on a field being like, hey, 15 is shot at 10 times in a row and he's not running the offense. Get him out, you know. Yeah. And, then, and then all of a sudden there actually was coaching oversight at a showcase uh, that, that actually like it, it really did, you know, the goal was to guarantee team play so that, so that part of what you're saying that doesn't happen at showcases because dad's in the parking lot saying make sure you shoot it 15 times, you know, yeah. that, that's going to you, wind you up on the bench. Um, and I, I don't know, I just kind of look at that model, and I, I wonder why more, more people don't do it. It's, it's not that hard to do. Um, it's really simple. You just say, okay, if someone's dodging at you, you got to clear through. You know, you, got, you can't take poor shots, and you got to move the ball like you can't have it forever. And, and if you just kind of – those three things uh, would provide some oversight. Because what happens with teams versus individual showcases sometimes is – you might be on some great team, and you might be the sixth attackman, and you might be pigeonholed into a role that doesn't allow you to carry the ball that much. But you're on like a top ten team in the country, and if you go to some showcase, you,
2: you might actually be able to dodge and have a role
1: that allows you to do some other things.
2: And on the opposite side, I mean, it, at showcases, if the team you're playing has a stud faceoff guy, and you're an attackman, you may never get the ball. Right. So you know where like it, it's you know I think there. defenseman on a team, and you got a stud faceoff. Your
1: team is never on defense.
2: Yeah, so you're you're taking away you know six, seven, eight guys. Uh, you know depending uh, on that faceoff guy. Um, you know, so that's that's tough. I mean, I I I, I get the allure of individual showcases. Um, but it is one of those things that I think have, uh, you know, aren't, aren't as important as, as they once were. And I, I can't put my finger on why, yeah. um, but I think that, you know, as, as, you know, more tournaments pop up, the club lacrosse, um, you know, blows up, I, I just think the individual showcases aren't, um, aren't as much of a thing as they used to be. Yeah. And that's not to say there aren't, there aren't good ones out there, but they're just, they're less, they're, 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 they're fewer of them than there used to be.
1: I'll tell you what though the um, the Division three showcases are I think are critical though.
2: They're um, huge. Yeah. They're much
1: yeah. more.
2: Uh, they're much more impactful. You know yeah. the blue chip U 25s or top. You know whatever it is. He's yeah, um,
1: got a good one too, and I, I mean there's a bunch of them. Uh, but the reason why I bring that up though is because like what ends up happening is these kids start committing and it's like you got like half your club wants to still play division one or committed. And then the other half are like, listen, I need to get some division three looks and I'm not going to get a division three look at, at at this event, with this level. I need to go find a showcase that's going to be well run, guarantee some team play, hopefully, and get in front of 50 division three coaches so that people. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. And that's, and that's huge. I also think that, and I've seen it firsthand. I mean, I've, I've sat next to, you know, coaches that, that will, you know, will look at a, a schedule and look at some of the club teams playing and, and pretty much just look at a roster and the name of the club you be like, there's no shot in getting a kid from this, this team. He's too good, you know. Um, he's being watched, you know, by all the big boys. So I think if you can, go, if you can pick – if you're a kid and you want to go D3, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not going to, you know, one of like four or five events a year yeah. where every D3 coach is there. Yeah, um, you have to do it. Yeah.
1: So, all right. So we're we're we've sort of covered I think the fall pretty well. The last thing is this, but the, the high school showcase that that Hill-Gee and Shrives run. Um, you know, there's not too many. How many high school showcases? There's one up on Long Island too, right? How many? High yeah, school
2: there's two. Yeah, I, I think there's two as as far as I know. Um, right. I, I may be missing one. Maybe there's one elsewhere. But I mean, that is uh, that is one of those environments that that coaches adore because they, you know, you get better coaching in, in high school than you do in club. There's yeah. more structure. Um, and they get a good, under, you know, college coaches get a very good understanding of what your role is on that team, um, which is which is big in yeah. team concepts. So, you know, that event is awesome. I know I'll be there in a few weeks and I, I go, you know, every year when I can. Yeah. Um, but coaches love it. You know, they'd rather see you with your high school team uh, than, you know, with your club team. But I think, you know, given, the structure um and how small staffs are uh how busy the spring is these guys can't really get out and go to high school games the way they want to uh right. so when you can get them all together uh in one or two venues in the summer in the fall uh that's huge for for these kids and for the coaches yeah
1: and the, the one uh the one interesting note between the high school stuff and the club stuff is just uh you know um you can you can sometimes it's hard to judge a, a sophomore or twenty twenty one right now playing on you know a varsity team um you know he could be the fourth attackman on a great team and not play as much and he could be the best kid on his club team yeah um, you know or something like that you know i mean just the role, the general roles when you're younger um makes it a little bit harder to evaluate them versus their class when you're seeing them against kids uh, you know older yeah. Old.
2: Yeah, and, and, and guys want to see that. I mean, I, I think about it, uh, you know, looking at Under Armour in the past. I used to love that event. and I, I It's still my favorite, but it it was awesome when there was one age group and you got to see, you know, I remember it was some of the 2018s, you know, and uh, I mean, Will Bowen, you know, who is at Carolina now, as you know, is is an absolute man child. He was a 6'3", 200-pound uh, rising sophomore, one of three or four sophomores uh on the entire in the entire event playing alongside you know 2016s and you got to measure him up uh against kids that were much older which of course is what college is and and saw you know how impactful you know he was so when you can get a a young kid in with the the older kids you have a better sense of you know they stand out differently um you know as you said
1: So let's talk a little bit about um, uh, about prospect days because, like you know, once uh you know once fall ball is over, you've got pretty much December and January where there's some opportunities to go to some prospect days before the season starts. What's your take on those? Is it is it you know um, they're not all created equal, probably right? There's some are better. You know, we don't have to go into details of who's are the best or the worst, but but in general, you know, uh, would you say they're worthwhile?
2: Oh, yeah. I think I think they're huge. I think that um, we did discuss maybe how if you're 2022 or 2021 um, recruiting is, is different and, and it's not as um, you know pivotal for you to go to these events. But if, if you're a young guy and you want to play God's across, you should still pick a, a few prospect days to go to. Uh, because that is probably the easiest way to get your name on, on a list and get your name on the radar. So I, practice days are great. I mean, I, I've been to a handful when I've been passing through, you know, and in, in, in travel, and it, it's it's really cool to, as a kid, to have an understanding of, of the way these guys coach and run a practice. Uh, I, I think that, I mean, you know, yeah, every kid I think works – Uh, you know they have preferences of how they like to be coached but you get a very good sense of how these guys you know run a program uh, and and from the flip side I mean you know well you know as well as anybody else that one of the most important qualities in a kid is how coachable they are and by having a prospect day and controlling that environment and working with that kid uh, you get a very good sense of whether or not that kid is coachable um i've seen plenty of kids that have all the talent in the world 9q but they just do not respond well to coaching so when you get a kid on campus and run things the way you want to you know run them um you know i think you get a very good sense of, of whether or not that kid is coachable which i think is is equally uh as important as as skill level yeah
1: no doubt uh coaching is both uh, an, an attitude and an aptitude you know oh yeah uh, you know you got to have both um it seems like that you know prospect days a, a huge value in them. Also, is just that you know you can actually like get better at lacrosse and get some reps when you're when you're there. You know, which yeah. which you know I've been doing these video assessments on players in which they'll submit you know their their games from a summer or fall event and they'll touch the ball like 15 times in the game. You know, I mean a high school game you might touch it. You know, I did one for some kids in the MIA and they might've touched the ball 40 times, you know, because they, but they, but they only dodged seven or eight times. Yeah. That was a lot. Right. I mean, so, so um, how do you get better? And and I think that's one of the cool things about prospect days is that you can count on learning something, you know, seeing, seeing a campus, learn, you know, meeting the coaches. I do think one of the challenges is especially for people that live, you know, in the West, you know, like I, you know, I live in Colorado, people live in, you know, that have to get on a three or four or five hour flight to get to the East coast. Um, it's, it's tough because you want to go to all these practice. I mean, these, these prospect days, but you know, it's going to, you're going to drop two grand to get to one, you know, basically yeah. with two flights, a hotel for a couple of nights, whatever. And sometimes you get there and they're like, yeah, come to our prospect day. We'd really love to see you. And then sometimes it happens that they're like, well, um, We really need to see him again. (laughs) And I I think you should probably count on the fact that the prospect day is going to get you, is going to get you on the board. And it's possible that it was enough for the coaches to know they want you in the program, but usually they're going to want to see you play against higher competition because they can't control how the depth of talent at their own prospect days. They're not allowed to fight only. So they, They can, they can, they can be, it can be kind of uh, you know tricky about who they get the word out to. But you know what I mean. Like there's this fine line between like opening it up, and making some money, between seeing your recruits and being able to evaluate.
2: Yeah, no, and I think that uh, that's something that is important. I think that there are some people that probably the misconception that if you go to prospect day, uh, you know, and and these guys see you and you impress that you can be wrapped up and, and committed. I mean, that's not the reality. I mean, yeah. I think that it can often seal the deal. I mean, there, there are people do not realize how many, how many name programs. I wouldn't say rely on prospect days, but where the line share of their, you know, players in their roster went to them. I mean, Yale stands out to me. You know, a lot of their their top players went to prospect days. Yeah. Uh, You know, Notre Dame has a lot of kids. They just took, you know, a kid last week that was the best player at their prospect day. Uh, you know, in October. So. I think that people do, yeah, straight up, do not realize how important a prospect day can be to your recruiting, and they think that club is, is everything. Uh, but yeah. being on campus, being coached, um, and, and impressing coaches that way, you know, can, can help seal the deal if, if you impress them on the club circuit first. It's,
1: um, it's also really important to know that, like, you know, coaches want kids that want them. Right. I mean, like, you know, like the more interest you show in a program by going to their prospect days or following up or whatever. I mean, you know, listen, they get did you get bombarded by emails and sometimes you might receive the one email from a kid like constantly. You're like, OK, dude, thanks. I get it. But the truth is, is that on the other hand, when you when you first get on the phone with a, with a guy and you're like, you know, you're, you're trying to decide if you want to recruit them. I mean, if there's 10, if there's 10 schools on their list and you're one of 10, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to move on, you know, whereas it's like, Hey, you know, I want to be in the top two or three on someone's list if I'm, cause I got so many kids to recruit. It does yeah. matter, you know?
2: Yeah, it does. And I think that, you know, especially if, if you're a underclassman and you go to some mid-major, um, cause every kid is going to want to go to the same, like every yeah. like freshman's going to want to the same, same camps, Saturday, Virginia, Hopkins, wherever, yeah. uh, all the teams in been watching on, on TV. But if you're an underclassman and you're going to a, a mid major or lower NT1 school as, as an underclassman, uh, that s- makes a statement to these coaches that you want to go there, you're interested. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not an advocate of, of going to, of like playing too much lacrosse, going to every pos- prospect day. Uh, but pick a handful and, and, and go to them, you know, give it a shot.
1: Yeah. Good point. Um, All right. So moving on to spring, you know, you get into your spring season, you know, you mentioned before um, that coaches love watching um, high school games more than anything. Um, you know, I guess if you're, you know, that you can pretty much get – if you've got a pretty good high school team, there's a good chance that your local Division One school is going to be able to get to some of your games. But yeah. other than that, you know, it's, it's tough. But how, how, how do you make that happen? I guess I guess if your team plays in Baltimore, you might get some looks.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, uh, there are a lot of games in, in March when, when schools in the MAA will, will play or IAC or WCAC in D.C. I think they, they play the Culvers and Hill Academies of the world. Uh, and, and haverfords and Chaminades and, and you'll see a lot of college coaches um, and and they love that but for the most part I, I, it's very reliant on film I, I yeah. think that I mean we know the sport is very relationship based and, and all it takes is a uh, head coach hooking up a crossover or a huddle password for these coaches or whatever it is um, and that's very doable I know I get a lot of film you know uh, that way as well so you know but but yeah for the most part, you don't have a whole lot of recruiting uh, in the spring unless it is – it's May. You know, when your season ends and you're, you know, going out and watching a game, it's not very prevalent. And, uh, you know, that's that's unfortunate because, as we've said, I think the the high school atmosphere is the most favorable, um, you know, atmosphere, environment, uh, in terms of a kid panning out. I mean, I don't – I'm a school – I don't want a kid that has been – middle of the pack or, or anything in his high school team and, and dominating club. Um, I, I want the opposite, quite frankly.
1: Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, as far as the, the May recruiting, you know, it's like it's just it's just so depressing when you're on the road recruiting. You don't like,
0: want to be doing it. You, <laughs> you want to be
2: playing in the tournament. you, you know it's exactly. like <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like I don't oh well, I'm gonna go watch this game, but I don't want want to be playing still. Yeah. so mm-hmm. no doubt. Um, And so, you know, then you start moving into June and July.
1: Um, Really quickly, what's your opinion on June versus July as far as recruiting? I mean, to me, I think that there's the advantages of, like, getting better over the course of the summer. But I also feel like at the same time, you know, it's it, it's everybody just gets tired and it just gets a little burned out and sometimes the later you go it's not that you can't get a look but I, I know that when I was on the road for 40 or 50 days of the summer by the end I might not have been uh have as good an attitude about it as I did in the beginning you know and oh yeah, it,
2: that, yeah. that's a reality I mean you go through it yeah no I think that you know the, the way the summer's laid out right now uh and, and has been for a while is that it's very front-loaded it's, yeah. it's very, um, you know, I would say the last three weekends of June are huge um, to the NLF events, adrenaline, big four, crab feast, relax invitational uh, maverick and then getting, getting into Under Armour. I mean, it is very, I mean, summer's eight weeks long. Um, the calendar is, but it is very heavy on the middle three or four weeks Um, until right up until after 4th of July. But I I think that the best lacrosse is played in in June, early July. I think that it is one of those things where, you know, sure there's value in seeing a kid that's playing in mid to late July and and, and playing very well. Uh, But for the most part, these kids are exhausted. They're playing a couple of games a day, um, day after day. Barely resting, uh, so the product in the product in, in mid July, late July, is not super strong um, unless you have, say, a, a a period of five or six days where the stick is not in your hands and you're not playing lacrosse. Um, you know, June is is huge. July isn't as much of a factor except those first ten days. Yeah,
1: it's kind of nice for the coaches actually that there's a dead period now. I, I really think that dead period helps rejuvenate them a little bit? Because there was nothing more depressing than being at an event on July 4th. When
2: you just oh, my God. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, leaving a press box. At like, you know, I think I was 20 years old in a press box at 11 p.m. Uh, on 4th of July and going to see fireworks. And everyone's like, where the hell you been? You know, and, and all these coaches away from their families and all that. The, the dead period was long overdue. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the best things these guys have done is – uh, you know, putting that into, into play, I think that it, it is just one of those, like, hit the reset button, get back out there uh, type of things so that has been been huge for the sport. And the overall morale, you know, and, and uh, the, the morale has been pretty high as of late.
0: What's your take on The Philacross V Podcast is brought to you in part by the JM3 Coaches Training Program. If you are a coach interested in sharpening your saw like so many of the guests on the show, you are going to love the content in this program. Go to www.jm3coaches.com for more information.
1: Like, you know, like so obviously like if you live in if you live in uh, you know, the East Coast kind of the corridor between Boston and and uh and DC everybody kind of knows where the the best teams are and, and all those teams are going to get great looks, right? But what about for the people that are, that are, you know, farther away um, and you've got a local team and it's like, you know, do, do, how do you balance playing? You know, I don't know. I always kind of look at it like you want to almost want to diversify your portfolio. You know, you know, if you could play on a, you got a great local team that you've been on that you really like and You know they might not be able to compete with uh, Joe Spolina's teams, but but they're but you're good. Um, But you want to be able to like play at that level of competition too. And you can't just travel. You know, if you live in Colorado, you just can't travel like ten times a summer. I mean, I guess you can, and some people probably do. But but how do you? What's your solution on that? I mean, I think sometimes Western events are great too because you know, like you get a chance to like lock people in to. You know, you lock some coaches into the. You know, like at you know, if you have an Eastern event, you've got. You know, a coach can zip around to the all three events in Baltimore on the same day and see all the yeah. all games. If you go to the Denver shootout or something, you're like locked in for the weekend and there's you know yeah. you're going to get seen. And I think so much of like what your goal needs to be, I guess this is the question. How do you guarantee that people know who you are? Because if they know who you are, you can at least feel good about the fact that, you know, they're making a decision on me instead of they don't even know who I am, which I think is the the sad part for, for players. So how do you address that?
2: I mean, I, I my, my thing, um, and you, you know, hinted towards it. I think there need to be more Western events, you know, and Southern Southern events where, um, you, you fly coaches out and, and have them be a part of it for a full weekend. Because I mean, I've, I think about how spoiled I am and how people are on the East coast. Um, you know, we get to hop in the car and, and beat a, an event in an hour or two, where, you know, you guys in Colorado and California and Texas and, and everywhere else are popping to play every weekend. Um, I think, you know, an increase in, in Western events um, would be pretty wise. Um, but I think that, you know, whenever you can combine, um, you know, local teams, you know, and have them play each other so you're not just hopping to play every weekend and playing your national team, I think that's, you know, probably a, a good fix uh, for that. Yeah,
1: it's, it's I mean, it's hard too because you got you got coaches will say like, look, you really only need to play. Let's just say you play three club events and maybe you do a high school thing. And then a, and then uh, you do a showcase. Yeah. And, and, and that's like that's all you need. Except for you do that. And then, like, you get rained out one weekend. And, um, like, your schedule happens to be that you're on, like, the, the Siberia field. You know, so, like, coaches don't even get over that. <laughs> no man's land, yeah. And then, yeah. like, you're a goalie. And the one time, you know, all the coaches show up to your game, you know, and you play a half, you know, you, you guys win every face-off. So, like, you don't even, like, get a look there. I mean, the whole thing is such a crapshoot that like it's really hard to even give advice on how much you need to do and i'm really you know like on the east coast it's easy you just get your car and you drive to every prospect day and it's two hours three hours whatever but you know like i said for the west coast people it's like two grand every time you make a trip so you know how what's the right number i mean and i know there isn't a good answer for that but what's your overall advice for
2: people on trying to like get looks by the time they're 21s in in terms of like how many events to play
1: yeah, like how many events did you play? Local versus national, Western versus Eastern, showcases versus team events, prospect days. I mean, what's what's realistic? Because you start putting the numbers to it, all of a sudden it's like, it's it. it, it unfortunately, you got, you kind of got to do a lot.
2: You do, and and there is like you're right. There is no like perfect number. I mean, I I don't think that and I don't want to say one, but I you know I don't think you should be playing more than like you know seven or eight you know weekends in the summer. Um, but I do think that if you are from Colorado or wherever you know playing one or two local events um and if you have an instructional camp, do that you know if you have that in your backyard prospect day instructional camp you know mill lacrosse or whoever it is is coming out west, you know go to that um you know, but i don't you never want to burn yourself out, you know i mean I think like i i I feel that especially in the era of early recruiting, I think that parents felt like they had to send their kid to every event under the sun because it increased their chances of getting recruited where that's not the reality. If you're playing, if you're not playing the right event, um, right. So there is no perfect number, but you have to be strategic. Um, and also strategic financially. I mean, we know how much you can spend, you know, going back and forth between, you know, the club fee, the the individual showcase fee, uh, the baggage fees from checking your sticks, the flights, the hotels, I mean, that, that adds up. Um, and given the small piece, the pie that you're offered, um, you know, to, to play division I lacrosse, that's what you want. You know, the, the, the payout, the return on investment just isn't there. So you have to be like very strategic in terms of what you're attending.
1: It's hard. And I think like, you know, when you think about, when you think about it too, it's like, um, you, you referenced this before when there was early recruiting, you had to, um, you, you, you just had to be ready to play and be really good by the summer before ninth grade. And you yeah. had to start doing all that stuff that summer. Right. And, and then certainly the summer after ninth grade, it was like full on for everybody, but it was pretty full on for a lot of kids summer before ninth grade. Now, you know, it's full on summer before, uh, summer before 11th grade, like no yeah. question about that, that that summer is going to be your by far most important summer. The we just went through the fall of, of 10th grade and it's important, but we already know that's kind of just such a crap shoot. But the nice thing is I guess for parents is you, I guess you got to be prepared to invest some time and money, you know, when you're in 10th grade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you could actually limit it a little bit prior to that and not get over excited. It's not, I mean, listen, traveling's fun. It's cool to take a few trips a year, but, but I do think you can worry more about trying to be good enough rather than trying to go play in a million events because, like we said, you're going to get – you're going to touch the ball 15 times a game. You're going to get four dodges and three shots and two goals and one assist and two ground balls per game. Multiply that times five, and that's your weekend. You know, you could have probably gotten – you. That it's just not a great recipe for getting better, and it's a big expense. Um, So, but I do think – so, you think about it. Go through a typical summer for a kid that you're going to see. Where are you going to see him – you know, just rattle off how many events you're going to see in team events, individual events, Under Armour all the way. I mean, How many is that number? It's probably seven or eight.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's about right. I mean, I I, I personally, I think I go to about 20, 25 events a summer. Coaches are probably, you know, around 30. Um, but, you know, very rarely you're going to have a kid that plays in the lion's share of the events that you go to. I think I think seven or eight is, is about right. Um. I don't. If you're good enough, I don't think you're doing yourself a disservice if you go to three or four, you know, or five. Yeah. Um. But but going to too many is is
1: borderline idiotic because yeah.
2: you know we, we know how how exhausting this is, especially in the summer sun. If you're playing July 20th, uh, you were not playing your best lacrosse. You're burnt out. You know, you're probably tired of the sport. For you know, you want to be to you know, by a pool somewhere with your buddies. Um. I think that is close to the, the right number. I think back to an earlier point that you kind of just touched on, I think that if you are a young person, if you're a freshman or sophomore, um, I don't think that you should really go all in on all these events, these showcases, go to, a, you know, go to a prospect day, go to a teaching camp, you know, focus on getting better versus getting recruited because you don't need yeah. to be recruited yet. You yeah. can't.
1: Yeah. And when you're thinking about seven or eight, we're not talking about seven or eight club tournaments, but you're going to have, what, what three or four club tournaments you're going to go to. Yeah,
2: maybe five maybe, tops,
1: you know. Maybe five tops. I mean, it depends on where you are. If you're, you know, if you're from the west, they'll probably be three or four. If you're from the east, they can kind of handle five. And then you got, you know, your tryouts. You know, you might try out for under armor and, like, make it and go play. And so that, that's two, you know, the tryout process becomes an event in and of itself. Yeah. Um, you know, you're there. Everybody's at those, you know, top top ones. And then, you know, maybe you get to go to – you know, a showcase like a Maverick or a 3D Rising or whatever, you know, there's, there's those. And then you got a couple prospect days here or there, and all of a sudden it, it does add up. The hard part is, is that it's, it's not even so much the number of these things as much as the way you space them out, you know, like, like a lot of people are like, all right, I'm from California. I'm going to be back. We're going to, we're going to do this, this, and this. And it's like, you, you just can't play back to back to back events. I mean, there's just, yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I can, I can, you know, understand doing two in a row. Um, because it's I mean, I, yeah, I mean the, the, yeah, I even mean, it is. I mean, I think that if, if you're coming from California, wherever it is, and, you know, coming for a one day event or two day event, um, you know, maybe isn't beneficial for your pockets, but I think that um, I, a lot of these teams try and do something over the weekend and then, uh a Monday tuesday event which is which is wise i mean you have to otherwise Not your parents true. are spending a ton of money um yeah, you yeah. know it, it makes no sense i mean think about how many how much money these parents are actually spending it could be upwards of 10 grand in a summer at least
1: yeah no it's a lot man um what's your take on um uh, you know playing on teams or doing tryouts outside of your outside of your your home you know market you know like uh Going to try out for Under Armour in another market, maybe because it's a better level of competition, maybe because you have a better chance of making it. What are your cha- what are your thoughts on playing on club teams outside of your market and just you know sucking it up to get on a good team?
2: Um, you know, I I see it both sides. I think that um, you know the downfall certainly, and it's you get better by practicing. If if you're a uh, you know a, a North Carolina kid that is playing with with team 91 Long Island or whatever it is, you know, or California kid, you know, playing with Sweetlax, um, When are you actually getting in those practice reps with those teams? When are you working with them and, and, and looking to gain chemistry? You're, you're not, you know, maybe, uh, maybe once or twice over the summer, but you, you really can't. Um, I think that know. is, that that's tough, but at the same time, you know, we know how important exposure is. And if you're playing with the best, you know, the best club, then, you know, you're getting seen mm-hmm. or you're getting better, you know, by, by playing for a team you can't, you know, uh, practice with at all. I think, uh, you know, I, I don't feel strongly any one way, but I do think it's one of those things that you have to be, uh, you know, smart about.
1: Yeah, I think you got to be creative about it too, and I, I think I think it comes back to kind of diversifying, I and mean, I think you need to have a good local team that you can practice with, play with. Oh yeah, uh, you got to do that, um, and if you can get on a national level club team and go play, it's great. But you got to understand that national teams um, uh, are, you know, or if you're not, if you're if you're if you're joining a, you know, a team from from out of state, it it, it will, the, you're not going to have the chemistry very quickly sometimes there's a little bit of a magic within a tournament that by the end of the tournament, you actually play pretty good lacrosse together. It can happen. Uh, And it generally happens with good players (laughs) that know how to play and good coaches that know how to create some team play. You know, when you sort of get that, you know, and you can harness it, you know, it can be, um, it can be pretty good. Um, But, you know, I just think the reason why I'm asking is just because, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, you just sort of get stuck or you just, you put all your eggs in one basket, and um, you know I think it's smart to kind of you know to be able to see what else is out there, um, and just you know find out find out where your best opportunities are. Hey, what, what's your take on on you know your uh, on on playing on playing injured?
2: It depends on the in, what the injury is and, and where you are in recruiting. I, I don't, I'm never a big fan of it. Um, because I think that you, you never know what kind of injury you can sustain. Uh, the well, it's thing –
0: they're
1: not going to make something worse, but you're just, like, trying to fight through it, you know. I mean, for your high school team, it's a no-brainer. You're gonna yeah. You're going to help your team win because that's why you're there. Uh, and, but, but, you know, then all of a sudden you see these kids, it's like, oh, I, t- I, I tweaked my hip flexor, you know. I can't run that well, but I'm going to try to do it. And then, you know, the problem is is that coaches won't necessarily know. They don't
2: know. They don't yeah, so they like may that. just think you're slow, you know. play hard, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it, there is a toughness, uh, you know, that, that comes of playing injured, but I don't think that it's always a wise thing to do, um, you know, because yeah. it could get worse. And I think that, I mean, whenever you're playing lacrosse or any sport, you want to be putting your, uh, you know, very best product on the field, you know, and, and, and playing it 100%. Yeah. Um, and that's not always a physical game um you know that's not always possible but you, you want to I mean I remember seeing a kid this summer who I I witnessed you know break his wrists in a game in in late June and he was back out there in like two or three weeks um you know playing pretty well I mean that's it's cool when you can do that but uh that does not happen very often I think if, take take some rest if you can yeah, I agree.
1: It's hard though. It's like you said. Like you, you, you spend all this money to fly back east, and all of a sudden, you, you twist your ankle, and you're like, you know, yeah. It's, it's it's listen. It's part of the crapshoot of recruiting, of unfortunately.
2: And you don't want to miss your window. You know, you don't like if you're a rising junior, you don't want to sit out the entire you know summer in an injury that you think you can fight through, and then all of a sudden, you know, all these spots are taken up in September because you weren't out there. But right. it is one of the things. Yeah, you, you know, just like anything, you, gotta, you know, really think about it hard and. And consider both sides with the pros and cons. You
1: spend a lot of time with college coaches, don't you?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: On the sideline talking about players, talking to them about what they do, what they think, who they like. How much I mean obviously you're watching a lot of kids and you have your opinions on stuff and you've probably formulated your the ways that you kind of rate people and so on and so forth. Um, you know you have the luxury of sharing your opinion and getting opinions from every college coach, whereas they wouldn't do that necessarily with each other as much because it's like personal information. Um, How, you know, um, how, how, how varied are their opinions on players? I mean, do you see like, you know, guys, I love him. I can't stand him or, or, you know, obviously there's probably some people everybody loves. What's your take on, on the, on on what
2: they're looking at? It's, it's pretty varied. I I mean, I think for the most part, if, if, you know, I've had a couple times where I've felt I like get his top 25 and I'll email or text or call or, you know, beat the fields and ask so-and-so about him, and um, he's like, I don't see it. You know, I think that happens here and there, but for the most part, um, if it's a high-level player, they all have a, a pretty strong consensus, um, you know, about that kid. But, but right, for the most part, I think that um, depending on how many times a coach has watched a kid – um you know I think you you get pretty varying opinions I know that I couldn't do my job without being you know having the ability to uh easily dial one of them up or or text them and ask opinion because I think you know my opinion doesn't really you know mean as much if it's mine alone you know but when I can get a, a college coach to say oh yeah he's you got you're on the right track you know he's awesome you know he's top of our board you know that's that's huge for me but um, the most fun part of my summer is when the lacrosse is over and I have my list of, uh, for the rankings and I bounce the names off them, um, to hear what each of them, you know, says about each kid, uh, is, is huge. And it's, it's fun, you know, kind of moving kids up and down the list based on, um, uh, you know, 15, 20, 25 opinions. It's, it's awesome.
1: Yeah. It's funny too, because I mean, now that early we, we should talk about touch on the new rules here in a second, but it used to be that. You know, you, when you'd be doing that, you know, the coaches would be skewed towards their own commits.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not not reality anymore. What's that? Yeah, it's not the reality anymore. I think right now it's, you know, especially these 21s coming up, it's um, all but six or seven are going to be uncommitted. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it it, it, it it backs things up in the sense that, you know, it's very easy to – people think that, you know, the rankings are – it's very easy to to like the kids going to Virginia and, and Hopkins, Notre Dame. You know, right now, uh, which, which validates talent. You know, right now, you've a lot of uncommitted kids. We had forty-two uncommitted kids, uh, juniors uh, in the rankings. You know, which is way higher than ever before. Yeah. Um, you know, it'll be very interesting when you don't have that validation that uh, a commitment provides. Um, you know, which fuel the poaching game. Really, um, you won't have that as much going forward.
1: So let's talk a little bit about the new rules. Um, this class of 2020 are really the last class that was kind of heavily recruited um, before, you know, before these rules came about and when they were ninth graders. Um, So this class of 2021 is it's, it's, would you say it's the first full class really of, of kids? Are are there a few kids committed, but for the most part, it's, it's pretty wide open, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's uh, you know, I think this is when we'll really see the, the full effect of the new rules because, you know, the 2020s there were between 100 and 125, maybe 150 even. Um, you know, commits before the new rules back in like I like think 2016, uh, early of 2017. So right now, like it's a clean slate, man. Like it'll it'll be nuts. I think next September, October, um, you know, the rat race that'll that'll happen.
1: So, what's your opinion right now on on this on the state of recruiting as it relates to the new rules?
2: I think it's awesome. I mean, I mentioned the word morale. I mean, morale is at an all-time high. I think that – you know, I was saying this to you on the phone last night uh, that there are many times where we'd all look at each other and be like, what the hell are we doing here? We're watching kids that are 13, 14 years old and haven't, you know, played a single minute of high school lacrosse. Um, and, and they're skinny as can be and high-pitched voices and all that. Like, what are we doing here? Um, you yeah. know, but now I think the product is, is, is much better. Lacrosse is better. Um, You know, everything is just a cleaner, you know, uh, environment than it used to be. It was messy before. Um, it was
1: messy. It was like, you know, like you said, like coaches would be like, what the hell are we doing here? And then you got, you know, you're trying to manage recruiting four classes at one. Yeah. Uh, you got kids. I mean, I remember um, the kids that were in the class of 2018. So they just graduated high school. I remember after the summer of their – after their freshman year, kids are like, yeah, I'm not playing. I I'm not playing club lacrosse. I'm not. You know, I didn't get recruited. <laughs> I quit. And yeah, it's like, you gotta wonder a little bit about their passion for the sport, anyways. You know, if you're just gonna quit because, but but it was it was kind of sad that all of a sudden there was pressure put on kids at an age where they should have just been worried about getting better and having fun and, and really enjoying it because those those are the best years of lacrosse when you're not stressing about recruiting and you're actually just playing and having fun with your friends.
2: Yeah, a little bit more carefree. I mean, I think that's been my my you know, favorite thing about it is that it's taken the anxiety for the most part, you know, away from, from everybody. I mean, you, you can focus on getting better and being a kid and, you know, raising your level of play and your grades and having better understanding of what you want in a college and out of life. Uh, Cause you don't have that as a 13, 14 year old. I think that many times decisions that are made, you know, super early um, can end up being the right ones. Um, but, you know, I think right now, if you have a junior that's playing lacrosse and they can commit as a junior to a top-20 school, it's much better um, and much more likelihood of a kid panning out and enjoying his his college uh, you know, years when he commits as at 16 versus 14. Yeah, um, there's yeah, no doubt yeah. there.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um, uh, we talked yesterday a little bit about the impact um, towards parity. You know, I mean, there was always these – total stud late bloomers that might end up at a mid-major program. And now what's your take on that scenario changing when, you know, you wait late, those late bloomers are, are going to be all up for grabs by the same pool of people. And there is a hierarchy.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I felt right when the rules were put in place, I, and I got one fall to kind of look at things. It, it felt like the rich would get richer. I mean, the, the best programs for the most part are still going to the same, same best players. Um, you know, those 10 or 12 or 15 schools that dominate the recruiting rankings and, and, and get all the best kids, you know, they will still do that. And you will have, um, you know, less schools like High Point and and UMBC, um, you know, and, and Furman and Holy Cross um, and Lafayette getting these late bloomers um, that everyone just kind of generally missed because of the early recruiting craze, kids that develop later. Um, you'll see a lot less of that. I think that, there was a point where 20 to 25 schools, um, you know, would have represent, you know, representation in the top 100 rankings. Um, right now, I think it'll be, you know, going forward, it'll be, it'll be less. I think you'll have the Yales, Notre Dames, UVAs, Michigans, Ohio States, you know, et cetera, uh, just dominating the best players where I think that – I don't want to say these mid-majors will be fighting for scraps, but there'll be less, uh, you know, uh, less talent available. Uh, than there used to be, and that's you know I think at the same time there's more talent playing lacrosse than there used to be. But I think you'll you'll just see you know the parity won't be the same level that it was you know from 2000 you know 10 until this year. Just be less of it.
1: I think parity is going to be on the rise no matter what. We know that it's 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 incredibly competitive. There's just more good athletes and more good players. I do think that early recruiting um, was not an advantage for the top of the recruiting food chain. So I agree that there, there's a chance for the rich to get richer. But at the same time, we talked about this too. I mean, the NFL can't get it right with their first round picks. Yeah. And, and just because we think that some pl- someone's great, you know, it doesn't mean they're going to pan out. I mean, how many times – I mean, I've never really done this. You probably have. I mean, how many times do you go back and, and look at rankings versus first-team All-American lists four years later, you know? I mean, oh, yeah. Some yeah. kids are in right there and some kids are not, right?
2: It happens all the time. I mean, it is it is a guessing game. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that you have no idea how a kid's going to pan out. You know, you think you can know a kid's game, but, um, you know, a, a player in a college environment is very different. I mean, to, to me, I think, and going back to my earlier point before I, you know, answer your question, I think that I, I do think there'll be slightly less parity, but at the same time, I think that this this benefits some of the big boys um in many ways because they were they were missing on kids all the time they took yeah. as freshmen and sophomores yeah. so you know right now uh, going forward um I mean I talked to uh you know a guy who's been in a, in a name program for for years and he was one of the the main um uh, not advocates but you know he was very guilty of of taking kids, you know, super early, and he's like Ty. This helps us. This is great for us. Yeah, no, because we we can have more educated evaluations on players um, as opposed to taking them as rising freshmen. So, I think this will help the UNCs and Hopkins and Virginia's of the world um, that went super early. I think that they can have just just more evaluations um, and, and a better understanding of, of that kid um, and and how he how he fits in. No doubt. Um-
1: this past year, like you said, there's about 125, 150 commits already. So for those kids on September 1st, you know, it was usually just checking in with their coach for the first time, uh, you know, in 18 months. But, but now for the class of 2021, do you see it as being next as – a, as a bigger mad rush than there was this year? It probably will be, right? As far as- yeah, I,
2: I think it will be – you know, t- this past year was, was different because, you know, most of the top players were committed um you know it, it was
1: over oh, half the top saying. 100
2: yeah and that, that's what it was I mean I think you know they were committed but you could tell um and, and there are certain schools that are kind of ready for the pick, and I think that that these kids were going elsewhere um so a lot of it was was flipping um you know so it was a rat race in, in that sense but I think it'll be totally different going forward because it will be a clean slate and you know to me I think that that football games will be you know more important the the schools with you know big time football will have that advantage um you know of getting those kids on campus for games being on the field before the game uh I I think that it'll it'll be absolutely nuts the first like six seven eight weeks of of fall uh just to get those kids on campus but but I I do think right now it is about five or six kids that are committed I think one or two may play football um but I think that you know I, I think Half of them will flip, um, but I think the many of the best players in the country are all, you know, wide wide open. Do you think that there will be less
1: uh, decommitting and flipping? As yes. It, uh, moving forward because of these rules?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, why we've seen so many of the 19s and 20s is because, you know, they did decide super early. Um, and, you know, as I've said before, I think, you know, what is – what you may deem to be right for you as a 14-year-old may not be the best fit uh, as a 16 or 17-year-old. I mean, think about think about how much you know. You and I may have changed in, in that like two-year gap. Um, you know, you have a social life, and you know maybe what you want to study, and um, you know you know your game. You've grown. You've filled out. You know if you want to be close to home or not, or rural or urban. You figure that out. You figure that out a whole lot more when you're older. And I th- think that you know with these new rules, uh, they're because there really won't won't be early commits, you will have a more uh, educated sense of what you want. And I think you know, usually the window in a flip is is pretty large. You know, it will be, it could be 18 to 24 months from that first commit to your last one. You know, now if kids are committing in junior fall, that's only a a year until you sign your NLI. You yeah. know, so like, and not a whole lot of changes. Um, unless you get drastically better in a, sh- in a short time, um, you know, I-, I don't see many flips happening.
1: Yeah. Which is a good thing. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, uh, the consternation that it created amongst the co- coaches and their community, you know, it was tough because you, you know, you don't want to do that to to friends. Um, you don't want to make enemies, <laughs> um, and yet, you know, you got to win games you know, it's 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 not an easy position to be in. I mean, you just have to put your 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 family and your program, and and you're working for your athletic director ahead of anybody and everybody else. And so it it it's gonna be kind of it's gonna be better not to have to have to worry about that.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, know. it's
2: it's been awkward at times. I mean, there been yeah. times where like I I'll be walking, you know, from field to field with the coach, and you know that they'll they'll get in the the staring game with somebody else because they went after their guy. You know, I mean, yeah. it is and I saw it most in the summer of 2017. There was a lot of bad blood. I mean, there were, you know, I I saw uh, you know two coaches who I, who I will keep to myself uh, almost getting a fight at every showtime. You know, like over poaching. Um, you know, and it, it is it, it is nuts. But I think you know it, it's so relationship based that you know if we can have less poaching, it's probably good for for everybody I mean, it's, else. It's you know. It's, it's gonna. It it is. The,
1: the new rules are gonna be
2: good for that reason for sure. Yeah.
1: Um. So you know, overall, recruiting it recruiting is really is kind of a crapshoot, right? Because like we just talked about, you just you just never know, you know, when you're gonna to happen to like get an opportunity to make a play, yeah. or two or five or ten in front of coaches based on all the things of you know the schedule and the weather and the events and. The face-offs, I mean, like, we keep talking about it, but face-offs is massively impactful on a club team. If you don't have a good face-off team, a face-off guy in your club team, and you play yeah. it's rough. And yeah. it's worse for the middies because then everybody feels like they're not getting any playing time. Generally, when people complain about playing time with their club team, they wouldn't have been complaining about it if they were winning face-offs. Oh, yeah, <laughs> wow, yeah. Just the way it works, you know. Um, so, but – You know, what's what's your uh, you know, this is a really tough question because you can answer it in like an hour and a half. But, uh, you know, what's your what's your what's your advice to folks uh, as far as trying to, you know, navigate this this process, um, you know, beyond, I think, come up with a plan and, and, you know, keep 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 your poise, because if you keep working at it, there's probably going to be a good outcome for
2: you yeah no that's it is uh, I could go long winded uh with this I think that I, I I've mentioned some of it you know uh earlier in the podcast but i think um, be patient I think that you know you have to be patient and and be smart. I think that you know what what worries me what triggers me a little bit is when kids uh, don't do their research um, you know I understand that that visiting colleges can be uh, expensive and time consuming, but, you know, I'm not trying to knock any kid that's done this, but you, you can't just visit one school because if you do, um, you know, what are you comparing it to? Um, you know, I think if you can go to three or four or five in the same weekend or, you know, in a, in a 10 day stretch or, uh, throughout the fall that you are giving yourself the opportunity to, to see more and compare them. Um, because I, I mean, if I'm a high school kid and I'm going to a college campus, that first one, and I'm going to think is awesome. Um, but what if you did a second or third? I, I think that is what I would say. I think that, um, I, I think that, and this is more so in the old environment of early recruiting, is that you can't think too much about um, these external factors. Uh, like, exactly. you know, little Johnny and my team, my buddy, you know, who I have class with is on my club team he just committed to to Duke, you know, and I'm, I haven't, you know, been invited any prospect days. I haven't gotten, you know, calls. I think it's very easy to you know be a young kid and have that anxiety as a freshman or sophomore um, that you're not committed, you know, when, when in reality, I mean, no one's saying you have to make a decision as a sophomore, or junior, you know, you you have four years for a reason. um, And and now two years, I think that's what I would say. I think that, you know, that and on top of being strategic of, of really what club you play for. I think there's not enough talk about choosing the right club. Yeah. I think that, you know, many times, um, you know, each, each club I think is, is great for different reasons. I think that if you're choosing a club based on, okay, this is who turns out the most Division One commits, um, you may, you know, be making a mistake there because you could get, you know, lost in the shuffle. Yeah. um you know go to a go to a club that makes that goes to the best events that makes you better you know from from the coaching you receive um and a place where you can shine you know don't don't go to a place that yeah. just produce the most college commits because you you could get you know lost in the bench and uh yeah. you know uh left over
1: i know it's really hard yeah i mean i think like this so there's certain things you can control right you can control you can control your own development you know, to a certain degree, you can you can you can find out how to get better at lacrosse. You can be you can get feedback so that you can be the best player that you can be. I uh, Lars Tiffany on, on a on a, a webinar last night. He was just talking about how they 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 actually get kids on the on the whiteboard and they make them go through kind of like the Gruden quarterback camp, where they just ask questions, look at film, get on the whiteboard, tell me what your thoughts are on this. So there's ways to like improve your IQ. There's, there's ways to uh, improve your skill. Um, You know, you can do things like, you know, like go to Canada for your summers. I mean, that's that's a way without a question of getting the attention of college coaches. You know, if you commit to doing that and you're going to be a better player, you're going to be tougher, you're going to have more skills. Uh, But overall there are ways to really focus on getting better. And I think that that to me, that's the number one priority. And then I think the number two priority is what you just said is finding the right, Club program, the right team, the right level um, for you. um, That that also hopefully gives you some some advocates. And I'd I'd like to finish up our podcast here, talking a little bit about that, because I think that we we know that the lacrosse world is pretty small world, and um, and I think it's really helpful to have somebody that can speak on your behalf, or at least say, hey, coach you know, Hey, check out this kid. I think, you know, he's really good. He, you, you definitely want to know who this guy is. You know what I mean? Like if you can, if you, if you have somebody that can say that about you so that a coach actually makes it a point to see you, then, you know, and, and, and listen, you're not going to necessarily be, you may not be the right fit for every coach. You know, this advocate of yours isn't going to go up to every program in the country. 'cause either either they're gonna be you know somebody that you're maybe not good enough to play for or maybe you're you know maybe it's like you know a down the line re- recruiting scenario, but what's your take on on advocacy as it relates to college recruiting and your club program?
2: I mean I think it's important I think that it, it's we had this conversation in the sense that you know the the benefit of of recruiting of the recruiting rules right now is that you're able to work with that kid for you know two years before you start talking to college coaches on their behalf. Um, you know, so making a strong impression, I think, is is pretty important. Beforehand, there were kids that are committing in eighth, eighth and ninth grade I and mean, how much these coaches really know them. Um, but I think that, you know, recruiting is very, uh, very reliant, at least initially, um, you know, on, on making a phone call, picking up the phone and calling, you know, your old buddy um, and asking about a kid. I think it's big. Um, and i will say it's it's better to do it with uh, a high school coach than than club coach but i think advocacy is huge
1: yeah because i mean the bottom line is co- college coaches have a network they're always building their network they're always evaluating their network like so you know coach coach jones always is on the money with evaluations when he tells me somebody's good i always like them yeah. or you know coach smith you know Really over inflates his players, and you you know that too. Like you can't just you know call call every coach about every kid because then you'll never have that that level of trust in that relationship. So it has to be it has to be at the the right time um, and the right fit. And but I do think it's a it's part of the process. So you know, hey, be as good as you can be in the classroom, athletically as a player. Find the right fit, and then you know try to find a fit for you club wise that's going to be able to have somebody. In your corner, because the way I kind of look at it is at the end of this process, if you can say to yourself, you know what, we did everything we could, we could to be as good of a player as we could be, and I feel good about that. We didn't waste a lot of time, you know, yes. and then secondly, people knew who I was. I think you can, like, let the chips fall, and they'll probably fall in a good area for you, and you can feel good about it, you know, as opposed to nobody knew who I was, or I wasted a lot of time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree.
1: Yeah, awesome, Ty. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the podcast. Um, it was great to get your insights and talk recruiting, and hopefully this um, educates some people. Stay warm. I think it's going to be like uh, 41 degrees and 25-mile-an-hour winds tomorrow. So
2: It is, it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> kind of miserable. Um, I'll be there watching some girls across, so I'll be bundled up too. But, uh, listen, look forward to seeing you down the line, and thanks again for coming on.
2: Thanks so much, Jay. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, Ty. Take care, buddy.
0: The Philacross Podcast is made possible in part by the JM3 Video Assessment Tool. There's no question that video is critical to player development. One way or another, your son must utilize video to learn his game and the game. To learn more, see video testimonials, or register, go to www.jm3video.com.